Hi Church, my name is Heidi and I'll be leading us in the Bible reading tonight. At Providence, we believe that the Bible is God's Word. And so, like prayer, we enjoy reading our Bibles because it's our way of spending quality time with God, getting to know Him, and hearing Him speak from the pages of this book. Tonight's Bible reading will be from Acts chapter 13, verses 26 to 43. Please read with me. Verse 26. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is promised to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. This is God's word. What do you want to live for in life? One of the things that COVID-19 has done for us is it's forced us to ask questions about what's important in life, about what it is that we want out of life and what it is that we really want to live for. It's shaken us up, it's brought questions around our work, our family, our pleasure, our travel, and many of the things that we typically live for in life, either through loss of those things or by just having to um, get a bit more time um, in thinking about them and thinking about what our priorities really are. It's been like New Year's, right? But on steroids when it comes to thinking about what it is that we want to get out of our lives and what it is that we want to live for, what our mission is. Now, some of you have done that through navel-gazing and reflecting um, quite and nearly even obsessively. Some of you A-types have got the Gantt chart out and the diary out, and then some of you have maybe just been thinking and questioning that and, and, and wondering because you've got this feeling that you want life to be different, but you're just not really sure how. 
So as we sit here in this space, wanting to get back to the way that things were and kind of not really wanting to get there at all, it's really important for us to ask and think about what it is that we want to get out of life as a church. What is our mission? What is the thing that we want to live for? And for you guys as individuals, as you seek to rebuild your lives post-COVID-19, what is it that's going to be your priorities and your expectations? And what is it that's going to be at the center of your mission? And as we think about our mission in life, we really need to work out what it is that we want to live for. So today, I want to call you and remind you of the mission that you were made for, to recalibrate you to the most important, most exciting, most satisfying, most fulfilling, most significant thing that any of us could ever live for. A mission that lasts longer than a fleeting hashtag campaign. A mission that will indeed be accomplished a mission that will have impact on our world and on generation after generation after generation. What's the mission? Well, the mission is that you and I multiply the mission of Jesus. As you seek to rebuild the blocks of your life, make sure that the block that is first and central in your life is that you multiply the mission of Jesus. As you guys seek to navigate life post-COVID-19 um, at Providence Church, this thing, this mission that is front and central ought to continue to shape what it is that you do and how you live out your lives. Now, why would I say that? Well, because this is the mission that has been clearly given to us by Jesus because it was the mission that was given by Jesus to the early church. And that was to see the gospel multiply from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And when you look at the story of Christianity in the book of Acts, um, you see that this isn't something that just happens in the first church or in the church in Jerusalem. But you see this idea and this mission multiplying throughout all of the churches and throughout all of the disciples and all of the Christians in the early church. Because you see, this mission to multiply is something that is for all Christians. And we see example after example of it when we look at the book of Acts, where we see spirit-filled people multiplying the mission of Jesus. We see it in the church. We see that they continue to multiply the mission despite the diversity and the, the um, adversity that they might face as a church. We see it in Stephen, a bloke, right, who saw this so central to his mission in life that he goes on to die for it. A mission that's so important that we see a Roman centurion can being converted to Jesus and actually calling his whole family to live out that mission. A mission that was so important that it brought Paul out of his comfort and out of his safety so that the one thing that he lived for in life was to multiply this mission. And now in the story of Acts, we zoom into um, the church in Antioch and where we see a church that multiplies the mission of Jesus. And I think this is a mission for all of us to multiply. 
And we're going to look at a number of things as we um, dig in through some very broad um, things that I believe will be significant for you guys um, as a church and for you as individuals as you seek to think about how you're going to rebuild your lives and what mission should be central to it um, as we move beyond the coronavirus. And the first thing that we see um, this church doing is we see that they proclaimed the mission. Now, by this stage in this story, um, the followers of Jesus were scattered way beyond Jerusalem. And we read in verse 20 um, that there were men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about our Lord Jesus. The mission that the church was called to was to be witnesses of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Their mission was to proclaim the good news about Jesus. It was calling people to repent and believe in Jesus. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, then live out that mission in their lives as well. You see, this church was built on the foundation of the proclaimed message of Jesus. The gospel, the good news was woven into the tapestry of their DNA. And everywhere you looked, you saw evidences of the gospel. Because you see, it was the gospel that brought a number and a great number of people at that to believe in Jesus. It was the gospel that produced evidences of grace that Barnabas identifies in this passage. It was the gospel that brought Paul and Barnabas to actually teach the church at Antioch. And it was the gospel that they taught them. It was the gospel that they multiplied. You see, we, we see it there, don't we? When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. That's another way of just saying the gospel. They proclaimed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They proclaimed the mission. Now, why is that what they multiplied? Well, Paul knows that the most important thing that these people need is to be set free from the slavery of sin and that the only thing that can do that is the gospel. And he tells them that in verse 38. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Paul knows that no law, no money, no good works, no going, to, no going to church, not even going to Providence Church, will save people from their sin. It's only the gospel of Jesus that does that. As we think about Australia for a moment, about your neighbors, your family, your friends, or, or even for your own life, what is it that's needed? Well, there are many things, aren't there? Social interaction, getting jobs back, being able to have a day without the kids. The list goes on. All important things. But the thing that is needed most is that people are set free from sin through the message of the gospel of Jesus. But because, you see, this will be the thing that will transform people's lives, their families, their communities. Because it is the gospel that will actually bring about deep change and renewal in our land. 
It's not that those other things are unimportant. It's not that those other things are just menial things. No, 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 they are important. But when we make them the priority, then the mission of Jesus will not be lived out. Instead, we actually want to see the mission of Jesus multiplied through proclaiming the message of Jesus, which is what we see um, the church doing in Antioch. They live out the mission. And as a direct result of them proclaiming the mission, we see them, that, them living that out in many ways. Now, how do we see them living out the mission? Well, firstly, uh, they were obviously living out this mission by proclaiming the message of Jesus because we see many people believing in the good news about Jesus. We see in verse 21 that they turned to the Lord. In fact, Luke tells us again in verse 34 that a great number of people were brought to the Lord. They lived out the message of Jesus by proclaiming the message of Jesus. And in God's grace and mercy through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit, people were becoming Christians. Now notice here that he doesn't say that a great number of people rocked up to church online or that people scrolled past your feed. No, no, the outcome was that people believed and turned to the Lord. That's the thing that's significant. All of the other things that we do are things that achieve that end to the glory of God. Multiplying the mission of Jesus is not so much about getting people into church. It's not seeing hundreds of people coming to an event. It's seeing people transformed and captured by the gospel. It's seeing people believing and turning to Jesus. Multiplying the mission of Jesus is not about seeing people making decisions for Jesus. It's about seeing them maturing in Jesus. It's about seeing them coming to him and growing to be more like him. You know, that's why Paul and Barnabas taught the disciples for a year. And then later they returned to Antioch, presumably to teach the Christians again. They also lived out the mission, um, not just by proclaiming the message of Jesus. They lived it out by appointing leaders to equip the church to multiply the mission. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 13, we read, don't we, that there were five leaders who guided the church on mission. And we know from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 that Paul puts leaders in place to equip the saints for acts of service that God has set aside in advance for all of us to do. That their job is to equip Christians, to actually equip you guys to multiply the mission of Jesus. You see, part of multiplying the mission is actually seeing everybody in the body using the gifts that God has given them to see the church actually multiply that mission to see the proclaimed message of Jesus actually spread beyond the four walls. You know, that's why I said in my interview, um, much to Mikey's um, uncomfortableness, I, I love to see him looking uncomfortable, um, but uh, the reason why I said some of the things that I said there was that he and Heidi and the other leaders at Providence Church, they're actually given to you as a gift by God, to actually equip you guys to multiply the mission of Jesus. 
It's not just so that they can build their church. It's so that Christ can build his church. It's not just that you're doing a little job for them. No, no, no. They're equipping you to do the things that God has set aside for you to do. And their role is to encourage you and to equip you and to do that. But it's a strange season, isn't it? It's a really strange season. I'm sure um, for you guys, a little bit like us at Establish, um, many of your teams are not functioning the way that they used to. Much of what you've been doing has been centralized probably around a small group of people. But that doesn't mean that you can't serve one another informally. You can practice hospitality. You can invite your non-Christian mates to your home. You can care for one another. But I wonder as you start to think about rebuilding your life and and start to think about life beyond COVID-19, I wonder what your priorities are. I wonder if you're asking, how can I serve God with my time? As you're kind of building that list, right? of the things that I want to keep and the things that I want to drop post-COVID-19, you know, all of the things that you've been reflecting on over this time, make sure, make sure that you leave space for serving more formally so, so that you and Providence Church can actually continue to multiply the mission of Jesus. Your part in that mission may actually be even more necessary now than it has been in the past. As as you think about relaunching, so to speak. But this church is also described as spending time worshiping the Lord in fasting and prayer in verse two. That their community was actually marked um, like the disciples before them by a worship to God. And I reckon if you're anything like me, you find this really hard at this time. But how are you going? How are you guys actually going at building um, time into your life for fasting and prayer? How are you going at making sure that you're worshiping God, not just in your everyday life, but actually also together? You you see, even though you guys are up in Brizzy and you're kind of getting it way better than us plebs down here in Sydney, um, there's something that's really similar, and it's this. It's going to be absolutely crucial that you guys disciple one another, that you care for one another, that you call one another to worship God in a way far greater than normal because many of the structures and things that used to do that for you have now been removed. And I tell you what, I'm somewhat thankful of that because this is a great opportunity for you guys to dig in to the life that you've actually been called for and that is to disciple one another. So make sure that you're not just sitting and tuning into church online as a consumer. Actually get together with other people. Make sure that you're putting yourself in a place where you can encourage and inspire others to worship Jesus as well. Make sure you're plugging into a small group at church. And if you're not at one, I'm sure um, that, that, that Mikey and the leaders there would love to actually get you locked into one. Now finally, The main example that Luke gives um, is that they lived out the mission by giving. In response to a prophesied famine that actually had came about in Jerusalem, um, here's what we read in verse uh, 29. 
the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Now, the church here was giving um, to a one-off need, but there was no doubt that, that this would have been their natural disposition. They would have been people who would have lived out the mission in such a way that they put their money where their mouth was. You see, we don't often think about this, but to multiply the mission of Jesus, we need to resource the mission of Jesus. And we need to think about how we are generous, not just for our own needs, but actually to the mission in Sunnybank, in Brisbane, in Australia, and even to the ends of the earth. Now, I've been reminded of this down here in Sydney in these past few weeks by a pastor named Thomas Schmidt, who is the pastor of Revive Church that establish um, meets at each Sunday. Um, as we hit this time um, to ensure that the mission of Jesus continued to multiply through established, they um, were very, very generous um, by reducing our rent, in fact, telling us that we no longer needed to pay rent so that we could continue to make sure that the gospel of Jesus spread. But more than that, um, even in a time of need for them in their own church, one of the things that they set up was a community project over in India to feed poor families, people who had been completely paralyzed by COVID-19 to make sure that they continued to multiply the message of Jesus even over in India. Now, that kind of thinking, that kind of um, setting the systems and the structures up for that happening, it doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen unless there's an ongoing commitment to generosity. So as you think about your priorities and your mission, as you do that as a church and even individually over the next 18 months, how are you going to continue to work in the priority of multiplying the mission of Jesus through your generosity? As we all have to rejig the numbers in our own personal budget, how are you going to make sure that what you plan for with your money actually reflects your mission? Does it reflect the mission that you're called to? You see, this is the mission that we are to live out. It's seeing people come to know Jesus through the gospel. It's seeing people grow to be more like Jesus as they mature in their faith through the gospel. It's by appointing servants and leaders to equip the saints for service. It's through worshiping God in prayer and through fasting. And it's also lived out through our generosity by giving to the need of the gospel so that it might multiply. This is what it meant for the church in Antioch to live out the mission and to multiply the mission. But they also sent to the mission. Acts 13 verses 2 to 3. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands them and sent them off. The Antioch church was committed to send to the mission. Paul planted church after church after church and something that has multiplied down through um, the history of Christians and the whole way into our hearts is that Christians send 
to the mission. They send people to plant churches. Now, I've got a mate in Brazil, and his name's Eland, and he's a pastor of a congregational church over there. And in 2008, right, get this, they had a plan to plant 600 new churches in 10 years. They started out with 346 churches, and some of them were kind of like non-established churches. They called them missions. They wanted to be a hundred or they wanted to be a thousand churches by the time they had hit 2018. And their vision was this: it was that they that each church would actually send out two planters to plant two churches in that time. And that everyone in their churches would pray for and introduce two people to know Jesus. Now, I checked in with him a couple of weeks ago to see um, how they went and how he felt about the whole thing. And he told me that they were now up to around 800 churches. Now, some of them were still trying to become uh, sustainable churches in their own right. But many of the churches were already firmly established and, and continuing to multiply the mission themselves. And he said to me he believed that they had grown. But the most profound thing that I think he said was this. If each one of the churches had made their part, that that is that each one of the churches sent to the mission and they introduced two people and to hear the gospel of Jesus, he said it would have been a whole lot better. Now he was pleased. We would have been absolutely ecstatic with that, wouldn't we? He was pleased with that. Like, how awesome is God to have granted them that grace? And in fact, in their own church, they had planted four churches and sent out four other missionaries in that time too. But Eland was still longing for more. Now, why? Well, here's a man so gripped by the gospel of Jesus who understands that the most important thing for his church to do is to multiply the mission of Jesus. He's in a land where he sees so much need, but he understands that the most important thing that his nation needs is the gospel of Jesus. See, he kept on longing for and wanting for and praying for more that the message of Jesus would continue to multiply. Because you see, he knows that without the gospel and without churches to multiply the disciples of Jesus, there would be many, many more people lost outside of him. That what his nation needed, that what his mates needed, that what his, his family needed was that they would turn to God through Jesus and that that is the most important mission that he could live for. Now, this idea is part and parcel of who we are as Christians, right? And I know that it's been part and parcel of who you guys are at Providence Church. You want to see churches planted. You're part of a network that wants to see more and more churches planted. You want to see missionaries sent. And we're like established, and you guys have not been granted the grace by God to see churches planted yet through you? Now is a great time that as you rethink your priorities, that you maintain that priority that you are to send to 
the mission as you think about the next two years, five years, ten years. And we can do that by making sure that each one of you plays your part in that mission. And there are a couple of really simple things that you can do. We don't see them directly here in the passage, but, but I, I think they're important for us to point out nonetheless. First is, stay with the mission, even if it's hard. Stay with the mission, even if it's hard. Don't just see your time in providence as something that you've been given a year to or something that you pack in after COVID-19. Actually consider saying the long term, being part of the long-term mission because we know that it takes a long time. You know, it's great um, to muscle in for one month, two months, two years. But what would it look like to muscle in for five or more? Keep going. Because we know that the most important thing to live for is to multiply the mission of Jesus. Now, second, I reckon this is something that, that you guys might do regularly already, um, but uh, it could have been lost just in all of the things that have been going on, and it's this. It's actually picking up from my mate Eland in Brazil. Why don't you just start praying for two people that you know that you could introduce to Jesus? Two people that you could invite along to church online Two people that maybe might not have otherwise normally have come to your church, but because they can come to your house, they might be willing to tune in. Now, those would be brilliant things to do, wouldn't they? But we don't do it alone. You, you and I, we actually do this, and the church in Antioch do this because we have been filled by the Holy Spirit and equipped by him, prompted by him, and actually um, in enlisted by him to multiply that mission. But it doesn't mean that we just sit back and expect that that will happen. We actually still have our part to play, don't we? Which is why we see that this church in Antioch took risks for the mission, or they sacrificed for the mission. Now, this is not obviously present in the text, but multiplying the mission of Jesus actually takes risks. The Antioch church knew that, they sent out Paul and Barnabas, right? And, and they sent them to places that were hostile and where the gospel um, proclamation actually meant that they would risk their lives. They sent them out not knowing what the outcome would be. There was social risk, financial risk, risk that they would appoint leaders who would maybe get things wrong, risk that when they moved on to the next place, that as they left churches to fend for themselves, that, that they would struggle. Now, I'm not saying that that they didn't have a plan. They did. But as they headed out along the road to Cyprus, as they did that, they didn't know what was in front of them. They didn't know what the future held. They didn't know what opposition they would come up with. They didn't know what would happen. They didn't know what would happen to the leaders. They didn't know what criticism would come. But they knew, didn't they, that they were to multiply the mission of Jesus. Does that sound familiar? You know, if we want to be a church, if you want to be a church that, um, and a people that actually multiplies the mission of Jesus like the Antioch church, then that will mean that we continually need to be a church that takes risks for the mission. 
But we need to be continually willing to step out of our comfort zone as a church and as individuals. We've actually been thrust out of our comfort zone at the moment, haven't we? And some of you have felt that more than others. And as you look at rebuilding and relaunching, if all you do in this time is seek to reestablish comfort and normality and things back the way that they were, then you're actually going to be at risk of not taking risks for the mission. But if you're committed to multiplying the mission of Jesus, there will always be things that will leave you outside of your comfort zone. There will always be things that will be outside of your control. As we seek to multiply the mission of Jesus, there will always be relational challenges, financial challenges, strategic challenges, many, many challenges, many, many things that are unknown. But this is the most important, most significant, most strategic, most exciting, most satisfying mission that we could ever live for. It is actually the life that we were made for. And it's worth asking what risks we're willing to take for it. Now, how do I know that this is the most important thing to live for and the thing that we should risk everything for? Well, it's because, and this is the mission that God himself gave himself up for. This is the mission that God gives himself to and he fulfills and he lives out. And we see that when God the Son broke into our world, don't we? This mission is so important that he decided to humble himself and make himself nothing by becoming one of us so that this mission would indeed even be possible. You see, Jesus proclaimed the mission. He taught about the absolute importance of people's need for forgiveness of sin, that that shaped his entire ministry. He lived out the mission. And he also died the mission. This mission was so important that God himself, Jesus, died on the cross so that people could be forgiven and so that they might know God. This was the generosity of God towards the mission. He gave his one and only son. He gave his one and only son for the mission. And he gives us the awesome privilege of being captured up into that mission of picking up our cross and following him. Like what greater mission could there be to live for? What greater mission could we be called to? Now, how do I know this is the most important mission for you to live for? Well, it's God's mission. It's his mission, and, and he gives it to you. He gave up everything for that mission, and I reckon that if it's a good enough mission for God, then it's a good enough mission for you. It's a good enough mission for Providence Church. It's a good enough mission for Established Church. It's a good enough mission for all churches to make sure that that is central to who they are. It's the most important mission that any of us could ever live for on the face of the planet. And the Antioch church got this. They are a mission to multiply because they missioned them, or they multiplied, rather, the mission of Jesus. They proclaimed the mission. They lived out the mission. They sent to the mission. And they sacrificed for the mission, or they took risks for the mission. 
And as you guys seek to relaunch over these coming months and the life beyond um, in the next two years, the next five years, as you think about um, moving beyond the five-year mark as a young church, then make sure that you're multiplying the mission of Jesus individually and corporately as a church. Be a people and a church that multiplies the mission of the Antioch church as we multiply the mission of Jesus. There is no greater thing to live for. There is no greater thing to change for. There is no greater thing to prioritize and there is no greater thing to multiply. Providence Church, um, I'm just going to pray for you now um, that you uh, do that, that as you seek to rebuild the priorities in your life, that the core thing that is front and center is that you multiply the mission of Jesus. Why don't you pray with me? Um, Father God, I just thank you so much for Providence Church. I thank you that you um, put that church into motion and at the uh, force, at the beginning of that church that woven into their DNA was that they wanted to be a church that multiplied the mission of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you um, give them great grace and boldness at this time to think about all of the things that, that they might want to leave behind post-COVID-19 and all of the things that they might want to do after that to see your mission continue to multiply. Lord, give them the strength and the wisdom to do that. But Father, I pray for um, each one of the people that have been tuning in today and that you would help them put that mission front and center in their lives as well so that we might see more and more people come to know you so that we might see your name glorified more and more. Amen.